0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show At the half hour, Harold Perry will be heard uh, Not in his usual role of the great Gildersleeve But as Harold Perry an announcer at a radio station who's in constant battles with the radio station manager. But first, one of the most recognizable voices in radio, television, and the movies. Think Citizen Kane, and you got the right guy, Orson Welles. And tonight, in his role of Harry Lime, he'll tell you the story of the strangest honeymoon ever.
0: Presenting Orson Welles as The Third Man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character... ...originally created in the motion picture The Third Man... ...with Zither Music by Anton Karras. This time, just for a change of
2: pace... I've got a yarn for you about a honeymoon. That's the title I'm giving it. Honeymoon. In a minute you'll see why. It's about the strangest honeymoon that ever happened since honeymoons first began, since the first honeymooners in history left that garden back there, even before old Harry Lyon was around. Yes, this one I'm going to tell you about is certainly the strangest of all. Stick around. See if you agree. (laughs) happened in Sicily, which is as good a place for a honeymoon as there is anywhere in the world, all sunshine, full moons and orange blossoms. Ideal. What was I doing there? I wasn't on my honeymoon. I was in Sicily on business. That's really another story, but I was there to see an old friend of mine called Plucky Mariello. Well, it doesn't matter what I was seeing Plucky about, strictly confidential business, and besides, as I say, it belongs to another story. Anyway, I was there. I was in the bar of the Diodoro that lovely honeymoonist headquarters, but I ran into the Countess. The Countess, of sorry, Catty, really was a Countess. A Countess from Hungary. Also, at various times, from Hungary. Looks, she had plenty of them and those. A very tough baby, indeed, but photogenic, if you see what I mean. All technical and cast iron. Busy, too. She tried to hand at many semi-legitimate rackets, like beauty creams, costume jewelry, and marriage. And just now, she seemed to be resting between jobs. That's what I thought that I was wrong. Like I say, Kat is a busy girl. Well,
3: where's that famous movie? Don't look at me. I didn't steal it. You would if you could, Harry, if there was a price tag on it. Eh. Kiss
2: me. Okay. Another. There's a price tag on that, too.
3: I hope it isn't too
2: high. No, I come cheap. All I want is a little information.
3: And then you'll kiss me again. Mm. How generous
2: of you. Thank me later, Countess. What do you want with Mariello?
3: Why do you care what I want with
2: Clucky? Well, you two used to have a thing, didn't you? What are you doing now, stirring up the dead ashes of your
3: passion? I'm here on business. But you might try stirring up a few more ashes yourself. But... Good, gently, Harry. Gently.
2: Clucky Mariello. I remember when he lived in a penthouse on the top of that big apartment building in West Los Angeles. Sunken bathtubs, ceilings in hand tools, suede, carpets that came up to your knees, and six bodyguards on a night shift alone. That was in the old days, of course, before Plucky came back from that disastrous little jaunt of his with Catty and discovered that Uncle Sam didn't want to let him back into the country. We'd shared the expenses on a hired car that took us back into the hills, the little town where Plucky had that villa of his, and, which was where he would happened to be born and where the Italian government said he had to stay. And on the way up... Canty told me the truth about what she was after.
3: It's pretty good money. They pay your expenses, of course, and you get around. That's always
2: important. Countess Canty, the demon lady photographer, whatever What's the paper you work for? It's
3: not a paper. It's a magazine, a picture magazine. The picture magazine, as a matter of fact... Blink. Oh, yes, Blink. And the trouble is, I'm not on the staff. I'm just a freelancer. But I've sold a few photos already, and if I can get on to something really good, you know, sensational, then they'll take me on So, but... here
2: you are in Sicily, ready to take a lot of intimate little studies of the famous ex-gangster. What's Plucky going to say to that?
3: What do you think?
2: Uh, just what you do, honey. He's not going to like it one little bit. Mr. Mariello's a respectable businessman. He's one thing he hates more than the cops. It's publicity. I'm
3: afraid you're right, but... Maybe I can find some way of persuading you. Speaking
2: of cops, look at
3: that.
2: What? Let us slow up. This is the Sicilian version of the good old fashioned police roadblock. Thank you. Lucky stars for your American passport, Countess.
3: I don't have one.
2: Well, I do. That ought to be enough. Anyway, they're not looking for us. We're just innocent tourists. These babies are hunting big game. Yes, I know.
3: Yeah. You mean that bandit? Tomasino's the famous bandit, isn't he? How marvelous.
4: Bandit is a romantic word, Signora Contessa. This Tomasino is not romantic. He's a dangerous killer.
2: Mm, he must be. I understand. There are 2,000 of you men especially assigned to the job of catching him the biggest manhunt in Italian history. Think you'll get him,
4: officer? We know we'll
2: get him, Signor. The only question is when.
4: Good day, Signora Contessa. Buongiorno, Signor Conte. Uh, goodbye, officer. Thanks. Thanks.
3: Tomasino. That was really divine.
2: Now don't tell me you've got a romantic yen for a brigand.
3: Just a yen to take his picture. Oh, Oh, what a spread that would make. A little
2: tricky to arrange.
3: Of course, but then everything's possible. Don't you think?
2: The way you say it, Caddy, I'm almost convinced. She asked me if I didn't think Plucky would be helpful in putting her in touch with his Tomasino, But of course that was out of the question Between a Sicilian bandit and an Italo-American ex-racketeer There's a lot more distance than you might imagine But then look at it in light of subsequent events The distance was shorter than even catty guessed. Anyway, this conversation, as I said, took place in the car on the way to Plucky's And as I also mentioned before, he wasn't home when we got there The butler let us in
5: uh, yeah, the chief's expecting you both. But we're harvesting grapes now. The wine pressing starts soon, and he's in the village talking business with the buyers from Palermo. Hey. He'll be back any time. Uh,
2: harvesting be back.
3: and wine pressing—how rustic can you get? Yes, I remember
5: when
2: Plucky's connection with the alcoholic professionals was considerably more adventurous. Well,
5: there's liquor in the sideboard, if that's what you mean. Good stuff, Plucky. told me to have the two, you make yourselves at home. Well,
3: how sweet! And who is this dear little man on the sofa? Oh, him. Buongiorno.
5: Buongiorno, signora. There, see, he's human. He can talk. I'll tell you the truth. This character just blew in from nowhere.
3: Oh, it's one of the farmers, I guess. Something like that. I don't know,
5: but if you want, lady, I can toss him out with pleasure. Oh, don't dream
3: of it. You can leave us now. Who, me? We'll make our own drink. Oh. This little man seems to be harmless enough.
2: Harmless. Giuseppe Caracciolo. Harmless. (laughs) Well, at this point, I didn't know he was either. Just a corny local that needed a haircut. That's what I thought. If I thought at all about it one way or another... Catty spent a couple of winters in this part of Sicily when she was a kid and she's a great linguist anyway so she and this grimy character on the sofa were buzzing away like crazy and since I didn't dig the dialect
6: I wasn't paying any attention and then very suddenly
2: things began to happen. Catty and his character were chatting away and then it seems she got out her camera and took his picture and that's when he drew the gap, a big nasty looking mauser it was. I never liked guns, particularly on other people, so I let him have a sharp one on the back of the noodle with a heavy end of a cord of black label. I told you he needed a haircut. That was probably what saved his life.
7: That was
3: quick work, eh? Hey? Yeah. What do we do now?
2: Well, ring for that hoodlum of a butler. I should think, or call the cops.
3: Are you crazy? I don't
2: like the cops any more than you do, Countess, but in this particular case... Hey, what are you doing with that gun? Give it here.
3: This camera case just holds it nice.
2: Well, what do you, do you want with a gun, Countess?
3: Well, what do you want with it? You've got your whiskey bottle. Which in. reminds
2: me, I think I'll finish making that drink.
3: Well, did you help me with Caracciolo? With which? Caracciolo. Ever hear of him? No, did you? He's the second in command. In command of what? A price of two million lire on his head, but we aren't greedy, are we, Harry? We're after the big game, you and I. Come on, help me. Help you do what?
6: Hide him
3: under the sofa, naturally. Well,
2: anything you say, Carlos, but... After a few weeks he may become a trifle noticeable. Oh, stop
3: talking of chug.
5: Okay, but and you've got to do a little explaining. So there he goes.
3: First up I'm going to send this camera off where it's safe.
5: Look out. Look out for what?
3: His foot. You can still see it sticking up. Oh, all right. Come Here on, push go. him further underneath. Now, where were you going? Just going to the car to give this camera to the driver. Yes, but what
5: happens oh, to
2: that's me? That's all right, I've
3: got another one. I want to oh, I him mean about camera. the
5: car, not the camera. You aren't sending it away, are you? The oh, car? Certainly.
3: Plucky can take it back in one of his.
5: Well,
2: anyway, I didn't have a chance to start getting lonely. I was still tucking my victim's foot onto the sofa when.
5: Okay, okay. Let's have the truth and make it quick. Hello, oh. Plucky old man. What's going on here? Just making myself a drink. Well, what's the cops doing out there? Cops? What cops? They're all around the house.
3: Chucky, darling, how marvelous to see
5: you! Oh, uh, it's you. Is it? Of
3: course, I bought you. I was yeah, coming. Plucky, this is my friend, Colonel
4: Rocca. Colonel Rocca, how do you do?
5: You're a cop, ain't you?
4: Not exactly. Can't just come to that conclusion when we spoke on the road. Actually, I am in the Italian army, assigned to this Tomassino. Tomasino, that's the bandit. You mean you think he's somewhere around yeah. here? Not Tomasino himself, but his second-in-command,
5: Caraccio. Caraccio? Huh? A very dangerous man. He has been reported in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood? That ain't my house. That's oh, not it, uh, just because I'm plucking oh, Mary. Hold on, yeah. on oh, hold on, oh man. You must be sensitive. Nobody's accusing you. Oh, shut oh,
3: up. Oh, Colonel Rocker. Yes, Contessa. You told me before, I might presume. Oh, yes,
4: Contessa. A pleasure. I will be charmed to drive you back to the coast in my own car.
3: Oh, but first, of course, you want to see how your men are coming with their search. To be
5: sure, Contessa. I will go and check with them now. Cops, cops. After all the trouble I got no building up my good name. Plucky. Yeah?
3: You know why I came here, don't
5: you? How could I? You haven't told me yet.
3: I'm a photographer now, Plucky.
5: I work for Blink. Blink, the picture magazine?
3: Yes, and I want to take a whole series of
5: views. No pictures. No publicity. Uh, Oh, shut up. Just leave me alone. Pictures is for actors and presidents. I want to be unanimous.
3: Oh, but this would be so interesting, Plucky. You know, ex-gangster at home with his books. Dog. Hey, you know what? That groaning's coming out
5: from under this here sofa.
2: I'm a ventriloquist, Bucky, didn't you know?
5: Come on, grab one of his legs, Sally. I'll okay. take the other. Uh, here we, are. <laughs> here we are. Now, who's he?
3: Perhaps I'd better do some explaining.
5: I'll say. Well,
3: good and good. Then good. Then he'll, then he'll right. You see, he came here asking for your help, Bucky.
5: Another uh, touch. Huh?
3: No, he thinks with your connections, you can fix it so a friend of his can get out of the country.
5: That don't sound legitimate to me, and if it ain't legitimate... Oh, don't, 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 don't
3: give me your fun. drink, Harry. Who's
5: his friend? Well, don't tell us, Caddy. Let us guess. his
2: friend is none other than the bandit Tomasino, right?
3: Tomasino, and I get him out of my
2: house quick. I don't want <laughs> no bandits here. i have already
3: told you you aren't the man to smuggle Tomasino out of Sicily. No, I'm taking care of that. You? Certainly, darling. I am Harry. And all Plucky has to do is let me take those
5: pictures. You heard me, Caddy. No pictures.
3: But Plucky, darling, I've already taken one.
5: When? When did you take any pictures?
3: None of you, darling. I've got after law.
5: Now, hold on, darling. It's you like
3: get... being photographed, either, darling. But I made a nice shot of him just the same. Here, in this room, the room will show up very nicely in now, an enlargement. A minute, you... And that way, the rocker can rock and see just where this bandit has been. Visited. Oh, a frame up. Where's that camera? Halfway back to the coast, darling, in a fast car. But I've got another camera.
5: Picture of my drawing room with a hot Bennet sitting on my sofa. That's button.
3: right, darling. Yeah. But nobody need
5: ever see. Ah, the old trick, darling. Really, darling. Now, just...
3: Such language.
5: Hey, put down that camera.
3: Start right in here.
5: Now, just a minute.
2: The library. Now, you... and then the rose garden.
3: You... Oh. All right, now, darling. Give us a nice big
2: smile. So that's how plucky Mariello happened to pose for all those pictures you may have seen in Blink. That's also how the notorious Sicilian bandit, Tommasino fell into the hands of the Countess Catti. As you are going to see, it was easily the strangest honeymoon in history.
0: Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. (laughs) ¶¶
2: honeymoon. There was a young couple in the hotel, Jim and Jean, their names were American. Nice kids, the classic honeymoon duet. I think they're the ones that gave Catty her idea.
3: Now comes the really big job. We're pulling it off tonight. Now, the first thing to do... Now, wait a minute. Not
2: so fast, Carlos. What's the job? And anyway, where do you get this stuff about we?
3: There's $20,000 waiting for us in Tangier if we succeed.
2: $20,000? Go back to my first question. What's the job?
3: The money's all arranged for they gave me the code, and I sent the wire to the Tangier bank well, I'd myself. I'd like to know
2: what we have to do for it.
3: Don't be so tiresome, darling. For twenty thousand dollars, you'd do anything.
2: True, true. Go
3: on. I'm going to be the bride. We leave. The what? The bride.
2: I well, thought I thought you said it. Well, who's the lucky groom? Is that what I have to do for my money? Marry you?
3: Nobody's getting married. We're just going to make it look that way. After all, what's less suspicious than a couple of honeymoons? Well, that all
2: depends on what we're suspected of doing. Oh, you're
3: not supposed to be part of the honeymoon? No, darling. You go along in the train as a sort of uh, lookout. Your real job is after the trip's over. Oh. And also tonight. You're the one who must drive up and get him in the hill. Drive
2: up and get him in I'll the hills. i give hill. you the
3: password and they'll be waiting for drive you. Drive up and get who? Oh, don't be so stupid, darling. Who do you think? Tomasino, of course.
2: Tomasino? You're kidding.
3: I couldn't be more serious, Harry.
2: you realize that 2,000 soldiers and carbonieri combing the country for him? There's a price on his head, dead or alive.
3: 20,000 in gold is the price for him alive, Harry. The best I could get.
2: Special. It leaves Tommy in at eight. The next stop is Messina an hour or so later. They made quite a couple, of counters and the Bandits. She dressed very carefully for the part, and if you didn't look too closely, they were quite convincing. An idea at that. Nobody expects a hot bandit to go away on a honeymoon. That cat is a sharp customer, I knew that, but now I was beginning to give her credit for being even smarter than I thought when suddenly, down the corner, there came somebody who wasn't going to do that 20000 any good at all. Colonel Rock, and the flesh. He nodded and went right on past their compartment without so much as glancing at them. The next thing I knew, he was at the far end of the car talking with some characters who looked like cops to me. Not a very pleasant situation. I went back into the compartment sat down opposite the bride and groom. They didn't say anything. He couldn't, of course. Tomasino only spoke some dim Sicilian dialect and She was cuddling up to him in a way that made my flesh creep. I felt kind of silly sitting there facing that honeymoon couple. Definitely the third man.
3: Don't look so worried,
2: Harry. You're almost as bad as the blushing groom. I told you, Kathy. I'm sure I saw Roka get on the train. What of it? What of it? The cops have orders to shoot on sight and shoot to kill. Your friend here isn't armed, is he? Of
3: course not, Darling. I made that a condition of a deal. Do you know, I'm disappointed in you. I wouldn't have thought you'd be scared of a little gunfire, Harry. Or is it the 20,000 you're worrying about? Maybe. Ah, oh, good evening, Colonel.
2: I looked up. There he was in the doorway of the compartment. Colonel Rocker. He wasn't holding a gun, just a cigarette.
4: And he was smiling. Good evening, Contessa. Perhaps it would be better if we spoke in English. So your friend there will not follow what we are saying.
3: May I sit down? Certainly, Colonel. I won't introduce you. You know Harry already. Even for my young husband. The
4: important point is that your uh, husband doesn't know me. Even his lieutenant, whom I won't name, and who you tell me was hidden in that villa yesterday, was unconscious while I was there. So I think we can be fairly sure that Sicily's most desperate bad hasn't the remotest idea that he's sitting opposite his deadliest enemy. Interesting
2: situation, Countess, as I think you will be the first to agree. I'm never exactly at my ease with a cop. Even when he's in plain clothes and carries an army rank and they... Situation, as Rocker put it, was interesting and extreme.
4: This gentleman in front of me has a long history of violence. He would not think twice of murdering us all as we sit here. Yes. I think he would try it even with his bare hands if he knew exactly what we have in store for him. And exactly
2: what do we have in store for him, Colonel? Don't mention my name. Oh remember he knows that.
4: I've been in the papers. There were those men of my command who were captured and tortured. They must have told him about me before they died. Now then, there is just three minutes left before we got into Messina. Let us be sure we are clear on our plans. Hey, excuse me, what plans? But surely the Countess has explained everything to you by now.
3: No, I haven't, Colonel. You see, there hasn't really been time. Well, no. there is
4: no time now. Mr. Lyman, had just better keep out of the way. That no. is, as near the train proper as possible. That won't be difficult since the south end of the platform will be kept clear of passengers. Most of my men will be in hiding at first, but about 30 or so will be disguised as porters with their machine guns behind pieces of life. Machine gun. The first thing to be sure about is that all passengers are well out of the line of fire. Line of fire?
2: But he isn't armed. I'm beginning to gather that you're planning to arrest this man in the station, but why... Mr. Lyme, Sicily is a strange country. This man is
4: hated by everyone. The people pray for his death. That there are very few men who would deliberately connive with the police for his arrest. You see, the police are regarded here as enemies.
2: I can sympathize with that.
4: We are coming into the station. I must go now, Consul. Remember the plan and the signal. After you have led him out of the south end of the platform, you leave it. Do not come closer than twenty feet. That is enough for new pictures, and otherwise I cannot be responsible for your life. <laughs>
2: So now I had the whole thing straight at last. That was the deal. Caddy was turning him in, but on her own terms, setting it up so she could get her pictures while it happened. Uh,
3: senti, noi cambiamo i tempi. Sissio, ma non si
2: Congratulations, Caddy.
3: Thank you, darling.
2: So now you're going to be a famous photographer, and the groom here, I suppose, is going to be a famous corpse. <laughs> The passengers were being herded to the other end of the station as she led him down out of the train. He was suspicious. I could see that, but not of her. He trusted her. It was something to see. Tomasino, the famous bandit, clinging to her like a little bull. All
4: right, put this run! Tomasino, stay eh, in arresto. Man in alto.
2: But we'd all forgotten that gun, Caracciolo's gun, that Cat had put in her camera case, but Tomasino had seen it and somehow he'd managed to sneak it away. <laughs>
3: I'll come to stuck. No, no Stop. I'll That's right. When he get clear of that luggage or I'll miss him.
2: She meant she'd miss him with her camera.
3: Harry, where are you, Harry? What's wrong? Did they get you? No, no, my other camera. Where is it? He's dying. Look, he's dying and I'm out of film. Here's
2: the other camera.
3: Good. I don't have time to reload. You hold this one and be careful of it. That's okay. the one I use for everything up to now. Oh, no, no. No, no what? And too lady died on me. Wait, wait. Before they take it away, I'll get a shot of the corpse. Give me the other camera. Quick. Give me what? The camera I gave you to hold. I didn't have time to reload, so I just switched cameras. Yes, I know. But it was all over by the time I started in with the second one, so it doesn't really matter. I've got the whole thing in the first one, but where is it? Oh, uh, the,
2: that was a camera. Stop I didn't... trying
3: to be funny. Of course it was a camera. All right. All right, I was stupid. I let you hold it. I wasn't thinking. Now, what's your price?
2: Price for what, Countess? That camera, you dirty... Language. Language Countess, language.
3: It can't be far from here. Where could you hide it? There
2: was an awful lot of noise and confusion here in the station just now, so maybe you didn't notice it, but the what? train went by on the other track.
3: A oh, train... Oh, see you threw it into the other train. Well, that means we can get it back. You can't do it any easier than I can. And maybe you had something rigged. All right, you've got to have a price... You of all people? Me of
2: all people, sure. I sell everything contraband, fake passports, stolen cards. What you told me the other night, Caddy, you said I'd never done a decent thing in my life. It's true. I took it as a compliment, but now I'm afraid I've spoiled my record. Nobody's selling those pictures, Caddy. There's nothing to sell. You see, I threw your camera under that train. Don't look like that, Caddy. It isn't becoming. Remember, there are other cameras in the world. Come along and take your picture.
0: Harry Lyme returns in just a moment.
2: people in this story. Tomasino, of course, is dead. His mother came up from that little town near Palermo, where he was born to claim his body, and there was a lot of publicity. Blink, ran a big picture spread on the funeral. You probably saw it. Pictures weren't by Cathy, though. She never bought another camera. Quit journalism, as a matter of fact, after she met that Maharaja. He sailed into the harbor of Tarmina with the biggest yacht anybody, even Catty, had ever seen. Who do you think sailed away with him when he left? Not Plucky Mariello, to be sure. He's a businessman now, of course, and he said he just couldn't get away from his desk. And oh, no, all the Maharajas' new passenger, of course, was little Catty. The last I heard, they were on their way around the world. I wonder now exactly how
8: far she'll get. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for Honest Herald next on Zoomer Radio. Time now for Harold Perry and another episode of Honest Herald. This show was first broadcast in 1950 and is entitled The Plan to Rename Boomer Park. The Harold Perry Show. (laughs)
9: Yeah, 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 yeah. And now, Harold Perry as Honest Harold the Homemaker. If you lived in Melrose Springs and you turned on your radio at 10 o'clock in the morning, you'd hear a program that's very popular with the ladies, Honest Harold the Homemaker. But not always so popular with Mr. Carruthers, the owner of KHJP, and his nephew, Stanley Peabody, the station manager. It's evening now. Harold is at the radio station preparing his program for the next morning. With him is his assistant, Little Billy the Ex-Jockey.
8: Well, let's work on the mail now, Little Billy. Here's a lady that wants to know why a window dresser always turns the price tag so you can't read them. (laughs) That's your assignment for tomorrow, Little Billy. Go on down to Hershey's department store and find out.
10: Okay, Hal Pal. Uh, Here's some social items that our regular contributor from Asheville sent us.
8: Oh, yes. Aunt Mary. Let's see. They're usually pretty good. (laughs) Dear Harold, not much to report to you this week, except that we did have a little excitement here a few days back. Amy Streeter forgot and left her grandpa on the porch overnight. (laughs)
6: Listen, this
8: one isn't bad either. My cousin Joe was 32 this week. We don't know what to do with Joe... He hasn't made that. A- huh?
6: I've
10: got an idea that'll really pep up your program.
8: Oh, good! What is it, Billy?
10: Why don't you give tips on the horse races? D-
8: what? Me, <laughs> Billy? Let's forget the horse races. Who's that? Uh, I suppose it's Snoopy, Poopy, Peabody. Just because he's the manager around here, he thinks he can walk. Hello,
10: Harold.
11: Yeah. <laughs>
8: Hello, Ellie.
12: <laughs> Hello, little Billy. Hello.
8: Well, this is quite a surprise. I didn't know you were coming down to the station tonight.
12: Yes, yeah, Stanley asked me to come down and help him take inventory.
8: Oh, you're with Peabody, eh?
12: No, Harold, don't be jealous.
8: Well, as long as you're here, I guess we could have a cozy little chat.
12: Yeah, let's have a
10: cozy little chat.
8: Yeah, uh, <laughs> Billy, weren't you going home early tonight and look over a racing farm or something?
10: Go home and... Or... Uh-oh, I get it.
8: Yes, you gets it.
10: You want me to look over a racing form while you look over a filly Filly? Yeah.
8: <laughs> That's silly, Billy
10: So long, Hal Pal
12: <laughs>
8: Imagine that little jockey having an idea like that Well, Philly, uh,
12: Evie I just dropped in to say hello for a minute, Stanley's waiting for me
8: Stanley, huh? That professional nephew that nincompoop. That... Oh, hello, Stanley.
6: <laughs>
8: nice seeing you. <laughs> hello, Hemp. Uh,
13: taking inventory, eh, Stanley? Guess you counted in old Honest Harold, the homemaker. No, I was only counting the assets tonight. Liabilities tomorrow.
6: <laughs>
13: well, I led with my chin. <laughs> Ready, Evelina? I'll take you home now. Well, uh, Stanley, all
8: through checking things around the station?
13: Yes, of course. Uh? Did you check the thermowattle?
8: The what? But well, you're the manager of a radio station. You ought to know what a thermowattle is. Well, well if that isn't checked, Stanley, it could burn out the transmitter,
13: explode the static condenser, and blow up the whole station. It could? Evelina, uh, will you excuse me? I, I just remembered something.
12: I'll see you later. You know, it's funny, but I've never heard of a thermowattle.
13: You haven't? Neither have I. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah.
12: Honest Harold. Riff. Well, all spare
8: and love and war and thermowattles Come on, I'll walk you home
12: Oh, you don't have to do that
8: Can't have you walking all that way by yourself
12: But it's only three blocks
8: Not the way we're going <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs>
12: have to be quiet. Uncle Doc is
8: asleep. Yeah, dear old Doc, yak, yak. <laughs> How is the old veterinarian? I suppose he had a hard day manicuring sheep. <laughs>
12: sit down, Harold.
8: Guess I'll sit here on the sofa next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Oop. What'd I sit on? Oh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Aardvark to chromosome.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
8: Must have sat on aardvark.
12: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Uh,
8: This is nice, sitting here with you. Yes, it is. Evie, how about a little kiss?
12: Now, Harold, there's no reason why we can't just sit here and talk. Talk?
8: All right. How are things down at the office, Evie? Fine. Good. How about a kiss? (laughs) 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 Evie, why haven't you ever married? Oh,
12: I don't know. I suppose I've been waiting for a tall, slender prince charming
8: Oh, would you settle for a short, chubby homemaker?
12: How <laughs> do you know I'm very fond of you. You have so many good qualities, especially your honesty. well, but it's important to have a sense of proportion. Sometimes you go off on impulsive crusades about inconsequential things. you tilt at windmills
8: I do. Last thing I tilted was a pinball machine.
12: <laughs> I think you're like Don Quixote.
8: Don Quixote? Oh.
12: Don Quixote was a character in one of the great novels about old Spain. He was a crusader, too. Oh. Uh, he saw every windmill as an imaginary enemy and went charging into it with his lance.
8: Oh, I wouldn't do that. Besides, there aren't any windmills in Melrose Springs.
12: Oh, dear, I, I guess you'll never change.
8: Heavy. Would it make any difference to you if I did?
12: Well, it might.
8: Well, if it means so much to you, I'll reform. No more tilting pinball and uh, windmills.
12: Do you really mean that, Harold?
8: You bet I do. You know you mean an awful lot to me, Evelina. Remember when I used to sing this to you?
11: Evelina, won't you ever take a shine to that moon? liner ain't you bothered by that bobolink's too Tell me, tell me how long you're gonna keep delaying the day? Don't you reckon it's wrong? Rifling with your honey this way, liner Won't you pay a little mind to me soon? Wake up, wake up. The earth is fair. The fruit is fine But what's the use of smelling Watermelon Clinging to another faller's line Won't you roll off that vine and be mine. Oh,
12: that was nice, Harold.
8: You like it? Great. I'll sing another chorus.
11: Evel-
7: hey, down there.
8: Oh, it's old Doc Yak Yak. What does the old horse doctor want
7: now? Evelina, did one of my animals get loose? Why, no, Uncle. Uh, Thought I heard a jackass Praying in
8: the fire I've been insulted Good night, Evie Better hurry I'll be late for my program this morning Gosh, it was nice being with Evie last night Well, from now on, I'm going to change Yes, sir no more tilting at windmills.
7: Hey there, lover boy. Oh, good morning, Doc. Good morning, Harold. Yeah, I see you got your little satchel with you, Doc. You back in the veterinary business? On an emergency call. Hmm? I got a warm nose down at the dog pound.
6: Yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you were getting a little uh, cozy with my niece in the parlor last night. Weren't you, Dreamboat? <laughs> well, how did you know? Well, I snuck downstairs and took a look. Doc, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I was kind of sorry. Didn't learn a thing. Oh. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, uh,
8: Evie is wonderful, Doc. She's going to make a new man out of me. Yes, sir. You're
7: now looking at the new Harold Hemp. Don't look a bit better than the old one.
6: <laughs>
7: no more going to bat over every... Say, little... Harold. Yeah? Uh? Heard something this morning that ought to interest an old crusader like you. What? City's planning to cut down that big elm tree on Main Street. The one by Hofstad's hardware store? They can't do that, Doc. Why, that tree is as old as Melrose Springs. She's leaning. Old man Hofstad claims it might fall on his store. Says it's like living under the hanging sword of Damocles.
8: Why, the old crab. I defy the city to cut down that tree. Just wait till you hear my program this morning. Woodman, spare that tree. Touch not a single bough. For years it's sheltered me, and I'll protect it. Oh. That's a nice poem, but it don't rhyme. I just remembered something, Doc. If the city wants to cut down that tree, it's no affair of mine. What? It's just another windmill. Oh, it's a tree. I'm not interested. Not one little bit, Doc. I'm through crusading over these little inconsequential things. Harold, are you sick? What? Let me feel your nose.
6: (laughs) Please,
11: Doc.
8: After all, what if they do cut down that elm tree? Just because the whole town's grown up around it? All the children played in its shade. Sweethearts carved their initials in it. Little birds had their happy homes there.
11: (laughs) See you later, Doc.
14: Good morning, this is Station K.H.J.P., the station of the friendly frost morning. Honest Harold, the homemaker, will be on in 20 minutes. I think. Off again, on again, Harold, they ought to call him.
11: Well, good morning, Lori.
14: Oh, good morning, Mr. Hemp. I've got some good news. You're going to have some new spot announcements on your program.
8: Well, that's good. Who's the sponsor?
14: Smiling Sprockets Pawn Shop. Uh, you know, be happy, Hocket with Sprockets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes.
8: I pawned my mandolin there once. He learned how to play it better than I did.
14: Oh, Mr. Hemp, eh? I saw something in the paper this morning. I think you ought to know. What's that? The city council vetoed the appropriation for pigeon feeding in Boomer Park.
8: What? Why those hard-hearted, nickel-nursing anti-pigeonists? They'll hear from Harold Hemp.
14: Oh, I knew the pigeons could count on you.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Just wait till I get on the air. I'll... oop. No, I won't. I mustn't be a Don Quixote. Don who? Gloria, haven't you ever heard of Don Quixote?
14: Oh, sure. I love his rumba music. Yeah, he
8: plays like a windmill. (laughs) Uh, See you later, Gloria.
14: Oh, Mr. Ham, I forgot to tell you. Mr. Peabody wants to see you in his office and right away.
8: Oh, he does, eh? Getting to be a habit. Well, all right. But he's mad because I sent him after thermowattle last night. Guess he found out there's no such thing. I don't know why I do things like that to Stanley
6: <laughs> yeah, I guess
8: you'll read the riot act to me. Well, might as well go in face the chin music.
11: Well,
13: good morning, Stanley. Uh, hello Hemp, sit down. yeah, thank you. Uh, that was pretty clever of you last night sending me to look for that thermo wattle. Well <laughs> it took me two hours, but I finally found it. Oh, <laughs> It is? I wonder what it is. <laughs> but that wasn't what I wanted to see you about. Kemp, huh? as you may be aware, my uncle, Mr. Carruthers, and the owner of this station, is attaining his 65th birthday next week. Good.
8: The old skin flint.
13: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, an event like this calls for a celebration of major proportions. I want to make this a day that will burn forever in his memory. Something that will give him a real glow. We could set fire to his beard. (laughs) This celebration must be well thought out, well planned. And an idea just popped into my head. It's going to be awfully lonesome in there. (laughs) My idea has to do with Boomer Park. Boomer Pie. As you know, the park was named after General Boomer, a very vague figure in the history of our town. Well, I would say... In view of the many civic contributions my uncle has made to Melrose Springs, I propose our city change the name from Boomer Park to Carruthers Park. What? And, of course, replace that statue of General Boomer with one of Mr. Carruthers. Peabody, I won't stand for that. General Boomer was a great man. Why, he founded Melrose Springs. But the name is still going to be changed to Carruthers Park. Over my dead body. That will be a pleasure. Oh? But starting this morning, you will convince your listeners that you are heartily in favor of the idea. That's an order You ought to be ashamed of yourself Trying to put something like this Over on the people of this town I won't do it It's against my principles Honest, Harold This is no time For one of your stupid crusades Don't you call Crusades?
8: Oh, uh, I almost forgot Eveline huh? What? Stanley Yes I despise myself for this But I'll do it Good but I want you to know, Stanley I'm only doing this for love Harold Not you, Peabody I hate you <laughs>
9: Turn for the second act of our story, Honest Harold, in just a moment. Three more top stars check in next Sunday, October first, at CBS. The Stars Address. Amos and Andy will be back with the Kingfish and their other cronies, and Red Skelton will return for another great season of laughter with Junior, the Mean Widow Kid, Willie Lump Lump, and Dead Eye the Cowboy. Be listening next Sunday night for the return of Amos and Andy and Red Skelton on most of these same CBS stations. <laughs> Back to Honest Harold, who's a little unhappy at this moment. <laughs> For the first time on his happy homemakers program, Honest Harold let the people of Melrose Springs down. You said it. Against all his instincts, he came out in favor of changing the name of Boomer Park to Carruthers Park. Yeah, I could bite my tongue off. It's late in the afternoon, and Honest Harold is slinking down the hall of the radio station.
8: Good night, George. Probably didn't hear me. Good night, Jerry. Must be busy working on those W 4 forms. <laughs> Good night. Snob.
13: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
8: might as well face it, honest Harold. Ever since your program this morning, nobody's speaking to you. Good
13: night,
7: Harold. Good night, Peabody.
13: There
8: goes one windmill I ought to tilt. <laughs> Relative. Uh,
7: yes, Gloria?
14: Oh, gee, everybody's sure mad at you. Yeah,
8: I'm aware of that, Gloria.
14: Mr. Feeney called from the post office. There's a stack of letters there for you already. He said some of them threaten mayhem. What's that?
8: May... <laughs> Never mind, Gloria. Well, I think I'll run over and see Evelina.
14: Mr. Ham, mm-hmm. do you want me to take the calls that come in for you? No,
8: better not, Gloria. You're too young to hear that kind of language.
6: <laughs>
8: Hope Evie's home. It'd be nice to talk to her. After all, I'm doing this for her.
7: Oh, it's you. <laughs> Good evening, Doc. Is Evie home? Nope. Huh? Be home soon? Nope. Oh. She's still over at Carruthers. She's taking dictation from him, too. Oop. Might
8: come in a while, Doc.
7: Can't stop you. Well. (laughs) What's new? Carruthers Park. Now look here, Doc. Honest Harold. But Doc, I'm doing Just goes to prove what I always said. Animals are more honest than people. Never catch a cow trying to sneak on a streetcar with a three-day-old transfer. (laughs) Doc! Never heard of an Airedale being sent to jail for cheating on his income tax. (laughs) Doc! What else could I do? All I know is I'm disappointed in you, Harold. Coming out in favor of changing the name of Boomer Park. You know everybody's against a thing like that. Why, if you keep this up, you won't have a friend in town. I don't care. I'm doing what I think is right, and I'll stand
8: by it. I'm as honest as I ever was. I'm. I'm. I'm a low, crawling, miserable worm. (laughs) I ought to go home. Mother will have a nice, hot supper waiting for me. But I'm not hungry. Can't face anybody. She might have fried eggs lying there staring at me.
10: <laughs>
9: hey there, Carol, no, wake
11: up! Oh, hello,
9: Billy.
8: Well, I suppose you're mad at me, too.
10: Mad at you? Why?
8: Then you think I did right about Boomer Park?
10: Absolutely. Pretty clever, pal, the way you fixed the race. What? Old oh, man Carruthers must be slipping you a pocketbook to pull a double cross like this.
8: <laughs> Billy, I want you to understand that I'm not doing this for money.
10: Sure, I know. <laughs>
9: Well, I'm not.
10: I can just see the race. Boomer Park's the favorite with all the suckers. Carruthers Park is a long shot. A pig. (laughs) Billy? The horses are on the track, they're at the starting gate they Hmm? Boomer Park leads all the way until the stretch. And then when the judges ain't looking, you take the needle, lift up the saddle, and jab Carruthers in the hindquarters.
6: <laughs>
8: Billy, I'll do no such thing.
10: And Carruthers Park shoots inside the rail and wins by a no.
8: Oh, for heaven's sake, this is ridiculous. Billy, you know very well that I wouldn't have anything to do with a crooked race.
10: Well, maybe it ain't a crooked race, but I just hope they don't give you a saliva test. <laughs> <laughs>
11: Why
8: don't I go home? I'll have to go home sometime. Why did not I pick some other place to walk? Boomer Park. Anybody sees me here, I'll get shot. Oh, hello, little pigeon. Well, come here, nice pigeon.
6: <whistles> Whoop.
8: Flew <laughs> away. He's mad at me, too. Uh, uh, what am I going to do? Who's that? Huh? General Boomer statue. Hello, General. How are things? Just think. Been sitting on that horse for 80 years. Must be getting saddle sore.
6: <laughs>
8: Hope you don't mind, General, if they move you out of the park. Maybe they'll put you out in the country someplace with no pigeons. <laughs> Hate to do this to you, General, but it's for love. You must understand about love. You had 11 children. (laughs) Gosh, General, put yourself in my place. A man's got to be sensible sometimes. You got to play it safe. You'd do the same thing, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? No. No, you wouldn't. I read about you in the Civil War. At the Battle of Antietam, you didn't say, let's play it safe. You said, follow me, I'm moving up. And at Stone Mountain, you didn't say, let's be sensible? You said, it's now or never, boys. Follow me. And at Missionary Ridge, did you say, let's run away today and fight tomorrow? No, you said, are you with me, boys? I'm going forward. And you won. General Boomer, I won't let you down. Tomorrow morning, Honest Harold is moving into battle. Pigeons, I mean, fellas, follow me. And so, listeners, this is Honest Harold, the homemaker, telling you once again that I will oppose, and I urge all of you to oppose, any scheme to change the name of Boomer Park. And I'm sorry I gave you the wrong advice yesterday, girls, and I promise you I'll never let you down again. And that stands, no matter what uncle or what nephew might say. Hank, have you gone mad? The static you just heard is Stanley Peabody. And so, folks, until tomorrow, if there is one, this is Honest Harold, the homemaker, saying goodbye. And goodbye, General Boomer. Hemp, I'll have your head for this. Well, all I can say is, Stanley, you could use it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: hey,
13: T. do you know who was listening to your program? Mr. Carruthers. Mr. Carruthers? Was he upset? Huh? He wants to see you at his home immediately. And unless I'm mistaken, he'll give me orders to fire you. You've forgotten one thing, Stanley. old oh boy, his wife is one of my staunchest admirers. Why, she wouldn't let him fire me. For your information, Hemp, Mrs. Carruthers left on a trip to New York this morning. Oop, I should have gone with her. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Here's Carruthers' mansion. Big. <laughs> Looks more like a medieval castle. Probably has a torture chamber in the cellar for ex-employees.
6: <laughs>
8: hmm? Door's opening. Sure needs oiling. Come in. So does he.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
8: Thank you. Big butler. <laughs> so you're the butler here, eh? Uh well, how do you like butling? Must be a silent butler. <laughs> I'm uh, here to see Mr. Carruthers. Down the hall. Down, down the hall.
6: <laughs>
8: Thank you. Thank you very much. Wonder <laughs> what he charged to haunt the radio station. Uh, sure is a long haul. That big tapestry. What's that? Uh-huh. And these knights in suits of armor. I wonder if they used to get two pair of pants for those suits. <laughs> uh, this must be a study.
15: Come in. Uh, Mr. Carruthers? Mr. Carruthers? You'll address me by my military title, sir
8: Major. Major?
15: That's right. Major Aloysius Carruthers, Life Horse Cavalry, 3rd Platoon, National Guard. Who are you? Harold Hemp, BPOE, reporting, sir. <laughs> Oh, thank you. You, the young fellow, has a program on
8: my station? Uh, Yes, sir. Honest Harold the Homemaker. Um, Songs, household hints. Why hint? Come right out and say what you mean. Uh, uh, Oh, yes, sir. I'll do that. (laughs) Why doesn't the old boy fire me and get it over with? (laughs) Uh, How are things at the station? I may
15: inspect there one of these days. Ready for inspection? Always be ready for inspection. Keep your shoes shine. Never volunteer. Remember that. Yeah,
11: he's me. Oh,
6: brother. (laughs) a life and live
15: off the country. Now, young man, I heard you say something this morning about renaming Boomer Park. Oh, here comes the firing squad. Book there on the wall. And? Map of the Civil War. Battle of Antietam. I'm writing a book on that battle. Look at that pin. The big red one. Know what that is? A USO unit? (laughs) That serves General Boomer. Who? General Martin P. Boomer, one of the greatest practitioners of the Civil War. General Boomer? Follow me, I'm moving up, Boomer. His words exactly. Oh, Oh, remarkable soldier. And that ant-brained nephew of my wife wanted to rename Boomer Park after me. Doesn't he know the difference between a major and a general? I'll explain it to him, sir. Right. Go back there, Hemp, and shake up that outfit. Tighten things up. Tell him to prepare for inspection. Yes, sir. It'll be a pleasure. Honest Harold, you're dismissed.
8: Dismissed? Oh, you mean I can go.
12: (laughs) (laughs) Heavy? Yes, Harold?
8: You weren't angry with me for breaking my promise?
12: Why, no. In fact, I'm very proud of you. You are? There are some things a man has to take a stand on. And I think General Boomer was a very worthwhile crusade. Uh, and I'm more convinced than ever that you should run for mayor. Evie. Yes.
8: How about moving over a little closer to the next mayor?
12: Well, if you'll promise to behave.
8: Sure, I promise.
12: All right. Harold, you promised to behave.
8: That was just a campaign promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
9: You've at the Harold Perry Show, Honest Harold. The supporting players included Francis Robinson, Ken Peters, Jerry Maron, Jack Moyles, and Will Wright, and featured Gloria Holiday as Gloria and Joseph Kearns as old Doc Yak Yak. Norman McDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Tonight's script was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Dick Powell.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, followed by our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is
0: proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.